0: Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, we read, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And in life, we have filters. We have filters in almost everything, don't we? We have filters in air. We have filters in the water. We have even filters for uh, the computers and a lot of parents will put filters technology to filter what children have access to on televisions and on their phones. So uh, we also know that the, the, the media censure things as well. Uh, big tech, if they don't like what you say, will filter you and make it to where nobody hears you, or they will demonetize your account so you can't make any money off of what you say. So we know that filtering is a very common thing to do. I know that when I bake bread, a lot of times I can take bread and I will filter the bread and sift it so that uh, it gets into the right consistency. So, uh, but our lives also need to be filtered and it's a good thing to look at how this works. So the first thing I want us to look at about how to have uh, the right filter in life is a proper filter includes both your motivations and your behavior, okay? Both your motivations and your behavior are part of the filtration process. It involves you and not only what you do, but what you think inside. So it's important, like the verse says, where Paul says in Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you. And notice he says both, to will and to do. So those two things are very necessary. Without having both your will and your actions working together, you will not get what you need done. It's sort of like motive and opportunity. There's been a lot of people who had the motive to kill somebody but didn't do it. Some Many people have the opportunity to kill people, but they don't want to do it. And, but boy, it's a dangerous thing when that, that motive and an opportunity come together, isn't it? So God wants us to have the motive to do right and the opportunity to do right, and that is God's will. That's what God wants us to have. And whatever we do in life, we need to filter our lives so that both our will and our actions are going to match up to what is right. Uh, You came to church today uh, because you wanted to and you had the opportunity to do so. Now, you could be honest and say, well, I didn't want to, but I had a duty, I felt. Okay? But don't worry about that because Jesus said that when you stand before God, you should say, we only did our duty. There's nothing wrong with keeping your duty. Trust me. There are many people who don't wanna to go to church and don't wanna do anything for the Lord at all, and uh, guess what, they don't. <laughs> but there are many people who don't wanna necessarily do it, but they make themselves do it because they do want to please God. They do want to, even if they don't personally want to do it all the time. By keeping your duty, you are overcoming your bad will and you actually want it. So I, unless somebody, forced you to be here today, and physically took you against your will, you came here freely today. That is a good thing. And you you were given the opportunity to arrive here, and the Lord provided us a time for us to hear this message together. So a proper filter is going to include both your motives and your actions, your behavior, your practice in life. And that's why in Philippians, Paul says... He wants to work in us so that we want to do right and we do the right thing for his good pleasure. And that's our goal. Our goal today is to make sure we are doing his will and we are doing it in a way that both our will and his will are lined up and our actions and his actions are lined up. So important that we understand that that grace is the desire and the ability to do God's word. So if you want to, if you find it difficult to do something right now for the Lord, if there's something that's causing you and to basically block you, to censor you, to filter you from doing God's word, if, if the devil has put a filter that has restrained you from doing God's will, what you need is God's grace so that you would have the will to do his will and the ability to do his will to break through whatever restraints that are screening you out. So important to understand these two principles because the rest of this is going to relate to having the right motives and having the right opportunities to do God's will. Obviously, people in the Bible had a desire to obey God, They loved God, and they did what God said, and we can do the same thing. A second principle to have a proper filter is that a proper filter for our lives is scripturally or biblically based. Absolutely essential to understand this. If we do not have the understanding of what the Bible's role is in filtering our lives, then we're never going to filter our lives. Any filter that does not include the scripture is not going to work. It's going to be a counterfeit or it's going to be ineffective. And so the scripture that I'm going to read is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And in in that famous scripture, the Bible tells us about itself, about what it is, the scripture, the written words that are the Bible and Paul said this, all scripture, notice he didn't say some of it. He didn't say the New Testament only. He didn't say the laws of Moses only. He didn't say the 10 commandments only. He said all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. A word or a phrase that means God breathed, that God breathed his word. All Scriptures given by God's breath and is profitable. This is why I'm against the idea of non-profit organizations. I think every organization should be a profit organization. Profit in a lot of ways, especially churches, because they should be profiting somebody. People should be profiting from our organization. You should be profiting. Every one of us should be profiting by what God is doing. Any organization that doesn't profit anybody, what use is it? We're profiting in the good things that we do or are being done for us. These are important. I'm not talking about greed either. I'm talking about gaining good, honest gain. But that's a side issue. The fact is the scripture is profitable. It is going to help you to gain. But what does it help you to gain? Well, there's a list here of things that it gives us. The scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So that's a list of four, and preachers love these lists. I mean, they love it. They oh, point number one, point number two, point number three, point number four. A whole other sermon just packed right in here. But in fact, that's what the Bible is good for, doctrine. It means teachings. If you want to know the right teachings, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read it for yourself. Read it and understand it because the Bible teaches a lot of things. And by learning these principles from the Bible, you can gain tremendously. So it's very important to teach the Bible and its doctrine, its teachings. Because once you read the scriptures and you synthesize it in your life, you hear it and you meditate upon it and you understand it, the more you read it, the more you can understand it. It's profitable to give you doctrine. You'll know, oh, that makes sense, and that uh, that is perfectly what I need to be doing. Now, once you know what the Bible's teaching about God, yourself, the world, then the second thing happens. It is good for reproof. Now, reproof is literally you get measured up by the Bible. So, when you start reading the Bible, you start sensing that you're not examining it. It's examining you. You begin to realize that your life doesn't measure up to the Bible. It doesn't really measure. And that is important because literally uh, when we get reproved, it means that, oh, I don't really uh I don't think I've graded very well. When I read the Bible, uh, we have report cards at school and people get graded and I read the Bible, I'll get a lot of Fs, i get a lot of Fs, you know. Or, or maybe if we want to be nicer, instead of saying Fs, we get an N for needs improvement. <laughs> needs, sometimes get a U, unsatisfactory. Now, a lot of teachers just put S satisfactory, but I don't honestly think that when you read the Bible that we always get that S and i know it's very rare we get e for excellent so we need god's reproof but once but but god's not here to just browbeat us and to to punch us down and to to f- make us grovel god wants us to get out of the the mess and he's coaching us to be better and that's where he's correcting us for correction you see it's not enough to know that you're wrong you need to correct yourself you need to be Placed in a position where you're doing well in your life, and that is correction. That's what the Bible does, helps you correct. And it's at this point you get the fourth benefit, which is instruction in righteousness. Now, most people want to skip all those previous three steps to get to the fourth. They look at the Bible in a very non-scriptural way. They say the Bible's a rule book, And it tells us how to do things. Well, it is a rule book, and it does tell us how to do things. But it is not the first thing you do. Oh, if I just do this, do this, I'll be okay. No, you need to know what the Bible teaches, see how you measure up, and then correct yourself. Then you're ready. Then you're healthy. Uh, The NFL puts out every week an injury list. They put questionable or doubtful or they put some other designation for its athletes because if there's an athlete who is injured then they have to clear that athlete in order to play and that's what God does for us. Every day we are in the game and we need to find out are we healthy? Are we ready to play? Are we ready to compete? Are we ready to do what we need to do or are there some things we need to get fixed before we can be designated as cleared to play. That's what God wants to do for you and me. And it is a nagging thing to go into an athletic event as, and have an injury, but I'll tell you what, it's a nagging thing to try to do spiritual work with broken spiritual arms and limbs. You've got to get corrected, it's very important. Then you're ready to get the rules. Then you're ready to do specifically what you need to do. So that's why scripturally based uh, filters are so absolutely important. A third principle of a proper filter is not only that it is Uh, involves both your will and your actions. Not only that it is absolutely centered around the Bible, but it also has to be internally focused. You have to focus your filter internally. And I am remember that the Jewish leaders were very legalistic, okay? They were so legalistic against Jesus. Jesus got in trouble, because his disciples would not wash their hands a certain way, and they gave him a hard time for this. Or Jesus got in trouble because of healing on the Sabbath day. They were very uh, legalistic about their rules. I heard a story about a a man who met a, a, a lawyer, and he said to the lawyer, what do you charge for consultation? And the lawyer said, $500 for three questions. The, the man said, that's pretty expensive, isn't it? And the lawyer said, yes. What's your third question? Sometimes I think that that's the way they treated Jesus. I think that uh, if, you, if you look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, And I'll turn there briefly. Here's what Jesus said. He said, not what, in verse 11 of Matthew 15, he also said it in Mark 7. He says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now, he had just said, what goes into the mouth, uh, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles or pollutes a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. So Jesus explains it in verses 16 and following. Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, or witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It's very important to filter your life by understanding that you must focus internally, not externally. I I feel that this is a really important principle, so much that Jesus made the point very clearly that your problem is not an external problem. Your problem is a you problem. (laughs) And that one's tough. It's very tough to deal with that. So instead of filtering from the outside in, you need to filter from the inside out. A filter works in a direction. Uh, so an air filter on a, on a, on a uh, vehicle, if it's turned the wrong way, it's not gonna work necessarily the right way. And the same way with all other filters. They work in a direction. So you and I need to make sure that we have our filter filtering what's in us so it never gets out, because it is in us. You say, well, Brother Keith, I'm a good person. Uh, I've always tried to do the right thing. Uh, I know I make a few mistakes here and there, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Trust me, the sin that's in your heart is as bad as it is anywhere else. It may be differences in degree, and it may be differences in how it's manifested, but trust me, don't get comfortable with your sin. And all people who have their pet sins Well, folks, that's a pet that'll bite you and it'll give you rabies spiritually. You don't want that pet. You want to get rid of sin. Yet, it's real. It's in our hearts. Until we get right with God and ultimately go to heaven, we're gonna have to deal with it. And dealing with it is important. So what do you do? How do you get help to filter yourself? How do you do it? I remember what James said. He said the hardest, we can tame every animal, but what can we not tame? Our tongue. <laughs> we can't tame that, that, we can't tame the tongue. So trust me, folks, we all have a lot to do. So how do we get help? It's kind of like if you go to a doctor and you got a problem, what are they and, and you feel like you've got pains? What is the most likely scenario other than them touching you and feeling you? What are you most likely to have done? They're going to probably do something that involves an x-ray, right? They're going to probably x-ray or MRI, some sort of image. They're going to try to look internally at you. They're going to do that before they start cutting you open. Because, I mean, I hope so. If you ever are supposed to have an operation and they've not looked inside you through these machines, go to another doctor. (laughs) Get another opinion. So, The spiritual problem, have they made a machine yet that can x-ray your spiritual problems? No, they've not quite got those at any hospital, I don't think, but God does. And that's why it's important to know what God uses to highlight and expose the internal workings so that God can get in there and help you out. And, and the verse that I want you to either scribble down or at least listen to is in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. Yeah, a lot of people, their Bibles are, it, are collecting dust somewhere on a shelf, but that's not what the Bible is. It's not something that's dead. It is not collecting dust. The word of God is living and powerful. That's a clue to this instrument that God uses, the Word of God. And sharper than any two-edged sword. So the scalpels that a surgeon uses, they're sharper than a sword. Well, guess what? God's Word's sharper than a scalpel, any two-edged scalpel. Piercing even. What can the sword of the Spirit do? It can pierce even to the division of the soul and spirit. I have never seen a biology lab ever show me that division uh, on any anatomy class. There's no anatomy class that is on earth today that can show you that picture, but God's Word can. It can pierce the differences between your soul and your spirit. And of the joints and marrow, that's pretty amazing because joints and marrow, the joints are in your bones, but your marrow is inside the bones, and that's where blood is really manufactured and that's where life is and that is a mystery. How in the world life is connected to the bones, the joints, the marrow, that's a mystery. But God's word knows the secret and it is a, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you really want to know your motivation you want to expose your motivation, let your life be exposed to God's word. God's word will help identify your problems. And that's very important. And, and, and notice what he says in verse 13 of Hebrews 4. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When we expose ourselves to the word of God, God uses that as his light to shine upon our lives to see all of our problems, show us the problem, and when he consults with us, he says, here's what I'm going to do about it. He's going to help us. He's going to help you. He's helped too many people for us to not believe him. He is the best doctor ever, and he wants to help you, and he wants to help me. You say, well, Brother Keith, I, I find it very difficult. Uh, it's hard to, to, to stop this, or it's hard for me to live a Christian life. No kidding. What was your clue? I mean, literally, it is, it's not only hard, it's impossible. Only one man's ever done it fully, and that was Jesus himself. But I tell you, where there is a will, you ever heard that? There is a way. And God's will has to be working in you so that you will find the way to do what you need to do. There is a way. Have you ever, do you remember the name Philippe Petit? Philippe Petit. I'm sure today when you woke up, I bet your brother Keith's gonna bring a sermon about old Philippe Petit again. I assured you I've never mentioned his name before. So Philippe Petit, he was very famous in August of 1974 for something he did. You see, Philippe Petit, he was a man who was talented at balancing himself on tightropes. And uh, he saw where they were building, the Twin Towers in New York. And he said, hmm, that would be something. If I could stretch a cable across those two towers, I would walk across that and I would be... I will accomplish something great. He planned for six years to try to do this while they were finishing construction on the World Trade Center. To practice doing this, he actually found a way to secretly get into Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France, and he stretched a cable from one tower to the next and literally crossed between the two towers there on Notre Dame Cathedral, uh, and uh, they, while they were ordaining priests inside, kind of an interesting stunt. Well, it was not easy, though, trying to do this stunt in New York City. For one thing, he couldn't tell anybody. He only had like a small little crew of buddies, but they worked together. It took him six years to plan this thing out. They had to do extensive visits they had to pretend to be for instance they pretend to be white collar workers or contractors or journalists and and they would they actually had a, a name tag that was an ID tag very similar uh, that he was able to get from one of the other workers and copied it so he could get in and out of the construction site he did this over a period of years and Eventually, he had to solve the issues of, for instance, the towers were designed to sway, so he had to be prepared for the swaying of his his cable across that. But he also had to figure out how to get all of his equipment up at the very top of this World Trade Center because it was not easy. The cable alone was 400 pounds. Have you ever tried to carry a 400-pound cable Thirteen hundred feet into the sky and not sh- and do it secretly so they don't know you're doing this. Quite a quite an achievement. Well, they got a good break on August sixth of nineteen seventy four. They found a way in and there was an abandoned freight elevator that allowed them to get all the way to the hundred fourth floor. So they got their main equipment there on one side. They had to have people in both buildings, but how are they going to string this? cable across the two towers. Well, you don't just throw it across. 400-pound cable? and It's it's at least a a 100-foot span. I mean, that's a long ways. So, they figured a way by practicing on the ground. They would shoot an arrow connected to a fishing line, and they shot that fishing line across to the other tower. Somebody on the other side grabbed it, and then, instead of pulling that big cable, they pulled a small rope across the tower. Then they tied a larger rope across the tower, and they had a pulley system on the other side. Then they attached, finally, they had a big enough rope they could attach the cable, the big, heavy, 400-pound cable. And when they first pulled it out, it went down and sagged too quickly. It took them hours to get it pulled back up. But finally, in the middle of the night, they were able to pull that cable and secure it at both ends. They were ready. He had brought a pole that was a long pole for balancing. And on the early morning of August 7th, 1974, people in New York looked up and there was Philippe Petit walking back and forth 1,312 feet in the sky. Everybody was just hollering and clapping, and he would bend down on the rope and wave at people. And the the, the, the the police said, please, come back, come back. And after 45 minutes, he reasoned to himself, I think I've trespassed enough, and he gave himself over to the police. The end of the story was that they ended up forgiving his crime, and uh made him though as a punishment had to do a free show in a park there for children of his high wire acts in the uh park he was given a lifelong pass to go to the world trade center now i say all this not because i want you to be doing any stunts like this but just like him he had to overcome obstacles and you do too and i do and Sometimes you may not have the strength to pull that cable that God wants you to pull, but you can pull the string and then God will give you a little bit bigger, give you a rope and a bigger rope. And eventually you're gonna pull that cable and eventually you're gonna be able to walk just like Philip Petit and he'll keep you safe because where there's a will, there's a way if God's in it. And I want you to remember that let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we all lack skills and we all lack the ability to overcome. We need your help today to filter our lives and filter ourselves so that we are doing your will and that you can help us. Forgive us of our failures and help us to follow what the Bible says. And Lord, encourage us because in this day and age, it's so easy to fail. But but it's very difficult to succeed. And now I pray for you to help us through the grace of Jesus Christ to see your will done both in our lives and in our church and our community. And please bless those that are here today. In Jesus' name, amen.